0: anyway Amy you were telling me something
1: are we doing the moonwalk this year have you heard That's about it. the moonwalk
0: I've never heard of the moonwalk tell me about the moonwalk so
1: it's for breast cancer it's um. Basically, you walk a marathon overnight around London. It Starts at Clapham Common, twenty-six point two miles. We did it a couple of years ago, me, my mum, and uh, three of her friends. And then there is three of us. Off. We were going to do it the year after that, but obviously, pandemic. Um, and it's back ne- uh, next year, so we're entering the moonwalk again. And it was quite possibly one of the hardest things I've ever done.
0: Mm. I think um, my, I remember my sister did some sort of overnight walk. I don't think it was, I think it was further than a marathon, though. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Something like fifty miles sounds familiar because I think it was more than one night as well. Actually.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, it was just um, no, it was just one night. So you start about midnight or so, and then yeah, you walk through the night and in your bra that you decorate yourself, and then uh, yeah, finish finish on the Sunday morning. Just the bra. Huh? Just the bra. <laughs> Well, obviously something else. But, yeah, the idea is that you walk it in your bra and, like, fancy dress and stuff. You say but, obviously. Yeah, you raise money for charity, so I'm going to do it with my mum and one of my clients, actually. Um, yeah, it's going it's, to be really
0: good. It's a good charity. Uh, one uh, one of my very, very close friends uh, suffered from this, uh, well, yeah, this year. This year, I think. I think mm-hmm. she got diagnosed only 40. Um, fortunately, full recovery, thank God. But I think it was t- it was looking pretty drastic at one point. So, mm-hmm. um, certainly from her view, she was quite thinking... She was almost certain that that was it. She was going to get told that it's terminal and away you go. But fortunately, it didn't turn out to be the case. So um, I applaud you. Well done. No, Very it's, good.
1: Um, it's really good. And But honestly, it was... I, I think most people I know that did it definitely underestimated how hard it was going to be. Like walking a marathon. I've never run a marathon. But at like 7 o'clock in the morning, when you're like seven hours in and you've got like a little bit to go and your knees just... Ache mm. for like no reason other than you've just been on them a long time. It was really hard. Mm. Like mentally, it was really hard, and like physically, it was really, really difficult as well. I would have rather run it because at least it would have been over quicker.
0: Wait, but I, I think we had this conversation via text, didn't we, about whether I thought it'd be harder to walk or run a marathon. Yeah. And I, I haven't never run a marathon, then I can't say first hand But I'm not really sure. In my mind, I keep going back and forth what I think because. I have run, I have walked 47 miles straight, not straight, but obviously. Yes, in, we
1: have had this conversation before, have Yes, we? So um,
0: I did a coastal walk around the beautiful North Norfolk, not Kingsley, disgusting place. Um, and yeah, that was pretty tough. Obviously, it's just 24 hours, well, actually 19 hours, but you had 24 hours to do it in. And uh, that was pretty rough. But mm. at least it was kind of organised. There were several stops and I didn't have any, but people yeah, there was like foot massage or foot doctor dudes on hand and massages mm. to have on hand and that sort of stuff. I didn't need it in the end, thank God. Um, but and then I, I think we had this conversation because I walked just for fun earlier on in the summer with some of my friends just 30 miles from Great Yarmouth to, to pretty much Norwich close to where I live um, and I remember having that conversation time, thinking like oh it's pretty rough now like I was getting towards the 30 plus mile mark and thinking oh, I could do a stop it now because my like, knees ache and stuff and this is when we all had the same conversation and I think I had the conversation with you post that because mm-hmm. I was thinking at the time I wonder whether it's harder to run this or walk I don't, I'm just not sure I don't okay. know
1: I think um I don't know I I think walking is that thing of when you when you're walking and you don't know how far it is to get to the destination it always feels longer like but when you do you know what I mean whereas I think when you're running you just you know it's going to be over quicker mentally like just keep going just keep going you're nearly there you, I don't know it's just yeah I, walking I, was really difficult and then like walking through the night as well was really challenging yeah you you don't you definitely underestimate the impact of fatigue because when you start adrenaline is pumping and you're like, yeah, this is great. Like, yeah, it's brilliant. It's three o'clock in the morning and we're like wired. And then by the time you get to 7am, you're like, oh my God, this mm. is
0: awful. I think the uh, lack of sleep does add another dimension. As I said, go yeah. back to North Norfolk walk they did that. I remember like feeling, I don't know, almost euphoric towards the end as in like some weird high being like sleep deprived and also absolutely shattered. Um, mm. Needless to say, when we got on the minibus to drive back to Norwich from uh, Cromer, which is where the walk ended, I don't think I saw the minibus pull off before I was asleep and woke up back at the place where, we, where um, the wife was picking yeah. me up from. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> what <Well>, happened <I'm> there? <laughs> blinked and I was back home. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But I don't
1: know. really bad hunger pains when I finished the oh, I the last time. Oh, like, absolute opposite. Really? I was, like, excruciating hunger pains because I just hadn't had enough to eat. Um,
2: mm. it,
1: it, and I was, like, in agony. I was, But then, like, so bad that I didn't want to eat. But it was, like, really painful. I was, like, I need something. I'm so, like, I'm obviously so depreciated. I need something, some kind of energy. That's, um, uh, yeah.
0: that's weird. We got to the end and they'd put on, like, some sort of on the pier breakfast barbecue thing, like bacon, mm-hmm. sausages and stuff. And they were going to do, like... Bacon the sausage baps and things, and got to in I was like, I'm really looking forward to this, and I got to in and thought, I can't even no. stomach it. Yeah, no chance, absolutely no chance. I didn't have anything, couldn't, just couldn't do it. Like,
2: nope. No. So. Yeah.
0: Johnny, what's the furthest you ever walked? You do a lot of mountains climbing stuff, don't you? Not really,
2: no. But I well, do, you used to. Well, in work, I do. I do. Uh, let me just get my step. Uh, that doesn't
0: count. Of walking around bloody work, mate.
2: Well, uh, but I do. I can do 9 or 10 miles in work. Yeah. So for me, why yeah, is this not working? So for me, an additional 10 miles is probably not, well, I say 10 miles, 16 miles, I don't think it would be that bad. Oh, and yeah. Then again, it depends on the, what you're walking on. Do, do,
0: yeah, yeah. No, that, is a, that is a very fair point, but what I will say from experience is um, the wall hits you quite quickly, as in, like you can be 10, 50 miles in and think, this isn't that bad, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is actually quite bad. Mm. I think I'm sure we've had the conversation of the "it's only walking" joke. Have we had that conversation before? Probably. Yeah, probably cut it because I was interesting. But (laughs) Um, no, I I was a bit pre banter. This did I tell you we did a North Norfolk walk? Have we spoken about before? Yeah. Joke. Sorry. Anyway, about that walk, there was a, there was I know listeners are probably doing this is so dull. Um but Oh you're
1: recording. I am,
0: yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this anyway. But uh prior to the walk, uh they were supposed to be doing loads of training and I did none, literally none. When they did a they did a survey about like how much of people trained before, you had to kinda of give in what your training stuff status was and like, and I was like, uh ninety minutes, six miles, something like that. What, that's the long she done? Yeah, yeah. Oh shit. Okay. And I was thinking, that's only walking. How hard could it possibly be? And then that just mm-hmm. basically came back to bite me in the arse when I was struggling after about twenty miles. And they were again. There's only walking in it, Brett. Uh, laughing at me because I was sitting there thinking mm. i like, cramps in my quads. Uh I'm, I also got sunburned during the during the day not putting some time at lotion on um, early enough, so uh, that didn't help. Feeling like I was gonna, going into some sort of like anaphylactic shock from severe dehydration I don't know if you can get an athletic shot you obviously can't dehydration but you know what I mean I'm joking but basically I felt a bit rough all my legs were like cramping I was thinking I don't know how I'm going to do another 20 plus miles out of this so uh, yeah everyone kept saying oh it's only walking on it and obviously that's just been brought up a few times which is why I made that reference but it doesn't work when I haven't spoken about it before does it so um, yes anyway Johnny I think that it can hit you quite quickly I think it'd be surprising that how all of a sudden like the knees ached, like Amy said and uh you just
2: think, I just want this over, basically. I think about three o'clock in the morning a night shift and I think, what, enough of this now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's probably a bit yeah. like that.
1: Used to get that on the plane. Yeah, I'm done now. We can land now. I'm fed up.
2: I did manage to have a 20-minute snooze today, though. Room was warm. We got a heater from the stores. Formula One was on. I managed to have a little snooze.
0: Nice, probably like, probably like most of our listeners now. <laughs> You're editing this, aren't you, mate? <laughs> no, I'm not. I do not edit. Don't be ridiculous. Um, it's mildly entertaining. People will enjoy it. Um, have anyone had anything
1: interesting happen this week? Um, oh, God. Apart from I went to Norwich. We we I didn't, didn't. I went we didn't to, to Norwich. Yeah,
0: it's not even close. I'll
1: have to look at my diary.
0: Like, where you went is like 50 miles from Norwich. It's not even close. Okay.
1: Oh, I got a new car. That's quite interesting.
0: It is quite interesting.
1: Yeah, it's very oh. nice. Uh, I got a say at Ibiza. Nice. Very nice. It's white. It's like a proper Essex wagon. Wagon. Black mean?
0: wheels. You are definitely uh, you are definitely female, aren't you?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's not got black wheels. Uh, That's really nice. Yeah.
0: You might be. I might have gender stereotyped there, but
1: I mean, oh, it's white. It drives. I'm a very good driver, actually. I, and in fact, my boyfriend will agree, I'm a very good driver. Sure. No, I am. Don't be misogynist. I'm a very good driver.
0: Well, the facts are that women are uh, safer drivers than men.
1: I'm quite aggressive, but I'm a very good driver.
0: Mm, okay. Don't like that. My wife's quite an aggressive driver, actually. I always say that she's too aggressive.
1: Would she agree with you, or would she... Uh.
0: I don't think she'd even think about it, if I'm honest. Did she have a
1: nice birthday, Brett?
0: She did, thank you, yes. She did have a lovely birthday. Um, she was spoiled. I bought her several presents, which is several more than she bought me back in my birthday in August, so there's always that. I
2: mm. think oh, you are punching breath, Brett, so no, you've got to keep her uh, happy new.
0: Yeah, mate, you're definitely punching How fucking dare you both. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I'll have you know, personality counts for a lot, and I have a lot of it.
1: Oh, we know that. <sighs>
0: Look, we all know that. Okay, looks are a thing. You know, people do care what people look like. But if you don't have a personality, you won't be keeping anybody. So you know, you can't say, "Oh, you're punching," because maybe she just likes me for my personality. And my really massive schlong.
1: I was gonna say. There are other reasons. (laughs) There are other reasons women are with men. (laughs) Uh,
0: To be fair, Johnny's seen it. It's definitely not that. (laughs) Probably, must have at some point. I don't well, know.
1: It's, either, it's either it's either your personality, your penis, or your pound signs. That's all. Mm. Personality oh.
0: of your penis. That's an if you
1: have
2: <laughs> got all three of them, then you are. Yeah. I, I would say someone like the Rock has got all three of them. That's mm. why it's called the Rock. Just simply his yeah. proportions. He's giant humanly. Yeah, but I mean, yeah,
0: <laughs> is that a thing? I don't know. Is that a thing? Like, do. Do, do penis size have to be in proportion with the body?
1: Yeah. No. No.
0: Like just because you're a giant of a man doesn't mean you have to have a giant penis. I mean, it it would look odd not having one. I mean, he's long.
1: trained his body and that's how he's got to that size. I assume he hasn't trained his penis in the same way. So it actually might be massively out of proportion.
2: Very possibly.
0: Well, possibly. But then I think he he's very muscular from his training, but he's also still a very big-framed man like he's still tall he's still got a big mm-hmm. frame regardless of how muscular he's gotten because of training and um perhaps some form of help in fact that yeah. form of help might make his penis smaller so
2: mm. true there was someone on was it gmtb he came, for, came on for, for whatever reason and there's the, the guy they with the biggest penis in the world i was like jesus christ
1: it has to be this morning they do all stuff like yeah that.
2: it was like eight, i think it was like 18 inches or something ridiculous <laughs> And it was fat it's as well. Fat. A, <laughs> see, honestly, you can see it in the shorts. That is unbelievable. Oh, my God. Um, Apparently, he slept with
0: some A-listers just because of that. He slept he with some A-listers. He's not
2: attracted short
0: that either. Yeah, but surely short, short, no, short it's unusable. I know, I know vaginas are meant to... You know, I did use the word vagina. I'm sure it's not but too... Vagina too kept,
2: maybe, yeah.
1: That's what it's called. It's called a vagina. I know, to but it it is. I just wonder it's whether
0: it's too either... This, Graphic or too clinical, I don't know
1: No, it, that is what it is
2: Okay, It's not on earth, the width of, a, width of a baby's head put it that way If you can, can stretch it that guy will be alright
0: well, it, it's, Yeah, it's kind of true, but I guess there is some kind of lead up things that happen for a woman's vagina to stretch the size of 10 centimeters, um, which I'm assuming doesn't happen prior to intercourse with a man with a giant penis I would imagine not, no
1: I've just like, I've just listened to this conversation as a listener, <laughs> and I'm like, what the
0: hell? To, to be honest, I'm thinking that as I'm having the conversation, what the hell? <laughs> like, it must it must be quite debilitating to have a penis that size because you wouldn't surely you wouldn't be able to use it with anybody.
2: It's just a, it's just a partly party trick, and you really yeah, yeah good one.
1: I don't <laughs> think it's even a party trick, because a party trick is something that nobody really knows about. I think you'd see that coming.
2: Mm. Well, yeah. hopefully you wouldn't, it wouldn't. would Because uh, would, uh, would, you you would see that, wouldn't you? It? It's, not, it's not hiding, is it? No.
0: Nah. Tuck it
2: it's tucking it in the old sock trick, surely. Tucking in the old... Where's well, is from mid leg? Well,
1: like yeah. any but... woman will tell you, there's there's an optimum. There's an optimum. Like... There's a point where you just are like, that thing ain't coming anywhere near me, or like, it's just not pleasurable. Like, and and like most women, I would imagine that would that thing wouldn't be coming anywhere near me.
0: Does it? Does it really, <laughs> well, now we have a woman on here, does it matter the size that much? Oh, or god, is, I
1: can't believe this isn't the podcast I stand up for, boys. Um,
2: I'm not asking that question.
1: Um, do, I, I mean, this is all going to be subjective so what pleases one does not please another so i'm not gonna say
0: what was it johnny said to me get off the fence
1: <laughs> well i know what i like but it might not be what other also my mum listens to this can we not
0: <laughs> your mum's name jane isn't it yes she hello is jane. jane hello jane i hope you're enjoying this conversation <laughs> um let's move on then uh Johnny do you have anything interesting happen this week or like me where you dragged to some sort of birthday party which you absolutely hated uh, what
2: happened this week
0: if you have to think about this hard I don't think anything could be that interesting your boss oh, got yeah. sacked I was interesting. your boss got sacked Oli soul Solskjaer my football team's boss yes.
1: oh
0: you speak to a Man City fan here mate not me obviously
1: oh yeah I'm a Man City fan yeah. yeah you're a plastic fan no born and bred born in Stockport no. That's very rare. I know. I remember when we were in Division
0: 2. Oh, well, I remember when I was in Division 2. Days this,
1: has got, this has
0: got to be the worst type of call for Johnny. Obviously, facing up a Liverpool fan and a Man City you
2: know fan. Do you know what? I'd rather Man City win the league 20 times over than Liverpool ever win it again. There you go.
0: So that. To that. You know I felt sorry for Wally Gunner. I, when I when Jeff Shreeves, I think it's Jeff Shreeves, someone on Sky Sports interviewed him after the game and asked him, does he feel under pressure? And he basically just did the political speech of, oh, look, "I'm doing, we're doing, we've got a great bunch here, great bunch of staff, we all working as hard as we possibly can, and all that stuff." I thought, "Yeah, fair play. You can't say anything else, like shit answer, but whatever." Then he went, "How low do you feel?" And he looked at him and he couldn't speak. And he was going and you could tell he was stuttering on saying again a very political answer, and then just decided to just go, "Yeah, very." And I was like, "Oh fuck!" I th- I actually thought, I actually thought to myself. I hope they don't sack him, because I'll cry. Like, I'm not even a Man United fan, but I felt so bad for him.
2: Sad. Yeah, but the broad have put in there, and he shouldn't have been in the first place. No, no. league would have employed him.
0: Hmm. He is out of his depth, unfortunately. Well, but, was... but he's trying, and to be fair, he's been under so much pressure, and he's been very good at handling it, I will say. But he just looked like he was going to break down and cry, and I just thought to myself, holy shit, this poor, poor bastard.
2: Let's be fair. Is it really just a you know, 7 million quid payoff for managing a football team? I'd be like, I don't give a shit if you sack me, just pay me the 7 million, and I'm going, whatever. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, but it's, it wasn't just a football team to him, was it? It was it's, like, it's no. yeah, exactly.
0: It, it was definitely softened the blow, don't get me wrong.
2: But and then again, they've still got coaches here Oh, shit. So nothing's going to change the go as well. And players, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. Anyway. 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 That's boring.
0: That is boring. Um, people are here to listen to the nutrition, the no-nonsense nutrition, not the no-nonsense football and penis length stuff. So, um, true that. True that. Uh, Amy, let's start with you today. Hello. Uh, what do you think of secret snacking?
1: Secret snacking? Uh, so oh. I would like you to define secret oh. snacking. Oh, oh! just buying ourselves some time, throwing
0: it back to me. Nice. Um, snacking in secret.
1: So <laughs> snacking in that no hiding the behaviour from somebody else or no, snacking I, I, in that you're actually kind of unaware that you're even participating in that own behaviour.
0: I'm hoping these conversations we now have for the next 45 minutes or so will lead down all of those avenues. But I mean, I guess secret snacking... I'd like to think of well, actually, yeah. Let's let's go with all of those avenues actually, because I guess like it will happen to different people in both in mm. all those scenarios, and that some people will kind of snack and not realise they're snacking. And I like to refer to them as BLTs—bites, licks, and tastes. Um, what? Not heard of that phrase? Absolutely not. Um, uh, well, let me explain. Uh, obviously, I've <laughs> I've used this phrase with clients quite clearly, but this the, the the BLTs are the things people do without realising the secret snacking. So kind of the like bites, licks, and tastes of foods that you don't realise. That's the handful of popcorn out the cupboard, or the mm-hmm. bits of food they're eating while they're cooking, or you know just all these little things where actually all their calories add up, but they don't realise it. Yeah. And obviously, I get I refer to it as the BLTs because obviously it's a nice acronym, easy one to remember. Um, but it does happen quite often with people, especially kind of new people that starting out to um, coaching, new people having a, a, an emphasis on kind of their nutrition. Because I guess it's just like habit, really, that people form where they're constantly... Another thing, worst thing ever for people with kids, finishing the kids' food. And again, it's just all basically untracked stuff that they don't realise. And um, as much as it feels like it's probably not a bigger deal, when you add all these little compounds up together, it does actually equate to quite a lot. And obviously, in the scenarios of maybe, you know, some of the women I work with, as example, that aren't particularly large, don't have a high energy expenditure, therefore don't have a huge kind of amount of calories to play with effectively... Those little BLTs can actually make quite a big difference of whether in a deficit or not. Unfortunately for them, um, so yeah, so, so that's one thing. Um, but yes, absolutely, kind of like the you know you could also go down the realm of uh, um, conscious snacking. But obviously, snacking of that they isn't really aligned with their goals and perhaps want to avoid. So not necessarily secret mm-hmm. snacking, but secret from their coach maybe. Um, <gasps>
1: first thing i think's important is that you get the individual to recognize their kind of participating in the behavior because a lot of it is unconscious um and i think we all snack at different times for different reasons some of it is social you know particularly like heading into the festive season you'll have like always i don't know about you guys like at christmas Always a bowl of nuts on the table, uh, always, <laughs> yeah, giggity, um, just nuts, not penises, nuts. <laughs> always a bowl of nuts on the table. Yes, there's fruit, but then there might be like mince pies. There might be like party food, all very beige platter. You know, there's always something that you can just go and grab um, very, very quickly and easily like that kind of snacking. So it's like abundance of food makes it very easy to snack. Um, Office environments make it very easy to snack. I don't know about you guys with your clients, a lot of my clients snack while they're also cooking dinner. Um, So that's a very easy one to do. Like while you're making a meal, someone will be snacking as well. First thing to do I like to do with a client is identify it or get them to identify it. Like I think rather than say, it's very easy to say to someone, do you snack? I think the first thing a lot of clients would say is, no, not really. Because like you're saying, Brett, it's very um unconscious a lot of it. Um, no, no, yeah, I can't finish the kids' plates occasionally. Oh, no, not always. Or no, I don't really have a biscuit in at work. Or, or maybe once or twice. Or, you know, it's like if I asked you both what you had for dinner two or three days ago, you probably couldn't remember. It very much... Oh, John, here you go, Johnny's actually thinking, you know. You probably couldn't remember because these little things get... Once the day gets done, it gets wiped away. So I do really like dig into this with clients because it can be yes, he's got his hand up, it right. can be a really um light bulb moment for them to recognise it in themselves. Um and then once they become more conscious of that behaviour, we can start to unpick it and almost lean into it to make it a bit more optimal for themselves.
0: I do not want to interrupt you, but I do kind of have another angle of a question. But I might edge this one over to Johnny. To answer on your behalf almost, or to add just add to the conversation. So, is snacking even a bad thing?
2: Uh, not necessarily, no, especially if it's conscious and mindful snacking, if it's mindless snacking or secret snacking, then it is a negative thing, especially like you said, if, if they don't realize they're doing it and they think they're in a big deficit and they're not losing weight. It ends again frustrating. Isn't it? But if it's conscious snacking and they understand, yeah, I've had whatever, it's X amount of calories, I'll add that to the day, and they're mindful of it, then it's fine.
1: <laughs> For example, I shared a packet of nuts yesterday with my friend, um, like cashews and raisins, like one of those like Christmas bags. Easily like 800, 900 calories in the bag. Shared it, most of the bag gone. Conscious, knew about it. Happy to participate in the behaviour. I'm an informed professional about how many calories are in that. Absolutely 100% choice. But for somebody that doesn't have that education, they're like, oh, I only had a handful of nuts. Like not understanding how that can impact your diet when you have got a goal is can can be quite like very very key to success or failure
2: well i had a, a bit of a classic not a client but a person in work he's got high blood pressure so his fix for this he shared that nuts that blood, blood pressure so my right okay um a a bag of nuts tonight which Oof. is you know mega calories i'm like you do know those calories out new? not oh is it it's healthy on it I'm like, do I really want to go down this route? He's not interested in diets. I didn't bother. Mm. There's no point because he's not listening anyway. So, you know, that is, it's not even, that's not, well, it is snacking, but snacking because he believes that it's healthful behavior. Yeah. When it's the exact opposite.
1: Another time um, where snacking can be helpful, though, where, like flipping on its head, when it can be a useful behavior um, to prevent you getting too hungry so sometimes snacking when you're not actually hungry but you know you're going to have a long window before your next meal um so by the time you get to your next meal you will actually be potentially over hungry which means that your potential to over consume then is greater that's when snacking can be quite useful as well within in a fat loss goal for sure
0: i would i would agree um, I think certainly in the realms of, well, kind of just general hunger management, that specific approach to that con- context or that situation, absolutely agree. Um I think we've had a conversation on this podcast before, and I'll repeat it just because obviously for new listeners or people that haven't listened to the entire back, which obviously there aren't many of, but um, I my personal opinion with snacking mostly is that for people with weight loss endeavors, is that it often doesn't really have much positive impact for appetite management, and obviously, the biggest predictor of a successful diet is adherence. Now, if you're going to adhere to a diet, you probably one of the things your first things you need to do is manage your appetite, because obviously that's what's going to drive you to eat for the most part. So, if you're not managing your appetite, but you're adding additional calories in, it's quite counterintuitive to things. So, most for most people, I would say actually, I don't, I don't promote snacking in terms of something that I think is that, that positive habit however i do agree with the context you're saying that being mindful of a hunger scale and therefore kind of like thinking about checking on hunger now kind of thinking about future hunger signals and stuff and the kind of past experience and knowing that you've got a longer time before eating i do think snacking is perhaps a good thing to just kind of regulate hunger activity and stuff just to try and try and keep things nice so that you don't then end up having kind of like over exertion of over exertion over consumption let's say actually over consumption of eating um, later on down the line, aka binge episodes that type of stuff um and i think like i guess that is just the, feels like it's a bit of a step away from i guess some of the recommended treatments you would have in things like certain eating disorders because obviously i guess like having regular eating patterns i don't actually know how this bit how much this bit i'm about to say is evidence based on that for honest because when i've tried to look before about the evidence i haven't managed to find any but some people will recommend that having regular, regular meals and regular snacks between helps stabilize blood sugars to stop kind of uh, I guess um what's the word? I guess kind of like a driver to eat, so you don't have kind of like ups and downs. Now, I've looked at that before, and I can't find any evidence. And I'm like, if someone does have this, then please reach out and tell me I'm wrong. But the only evidence I've been able to find is in diabetic populations, which I guess is very different than your standard individual. And that my my understanding is very much a case of if you are if you've got a you know a regular functioning pancreas. Um, that it produces insulin and um, I guess it it can produce glycogon and stuff to regulate your blood sugars quite well over a period of time. You shouldn't really ever get low blood sugars mm-hmm. unless you're in like a severely like hypochloric diet or hypo, not hyper, hypochloric diet over a long period of time where things start to go a bit skew with and dysregulate over time and you obviously get certain hormonal changes which do drive appetite. But I think for the most part, so I, I kind of that's why I kind of question that reasoning as to why because i've seen a lot of kind of like dietitians talk around and that obviously work with people with eating disorders that say absolutely and they say the reason is you have to have snacks is to regulate your blood sugars over the day to stop kind of highs and lows of sugar crashes to then therefore stop you overeating at periods of the day i'm Mm. like "Mm, i don't know if that's actually evidence-based and that's true but
1: it depends what you're eating as well like if you're eating like high GI or high sugar foods that are going to cause that very intense spike in, I mean, uh, this is very unevidence based. This is purely like what I think uh, in going to cause those real spikes in energy and spikes in like, particularly like, you know, like white table sugar, let's say for God's sake, um, then you're going to have a crash afterwards. If your diet is predominantly based around whole foods, uh, you know, more fibrous sources of carbohydrates that maintain your energy levels and a slightly slower releasing of the energy, then surely you're just going to feel a bit more stable throughout the day.
0: But my, my question is, why does insulin level changes, as in insulin secretion and insulin going back to baseline, mm. why do people associate that or take that? Or kind of take that next step over to say, well, that must mean hunger then, as in if it crashes, that must mean hunger. Why does it? Why do you, why do you feel hungry when it crashes? Mm. Or why do we say we feel hungry when it crashes?
1: Hmm. Is that? I don't know. I have no idea.
0: That's why I don't think, because obviously it regulates blood sugar. But then everyone just assumes that, aka, yeah. it regulates hunger. It's like, well, actually, um if anyone's taken the time to read, I guess some of the great work James Krieg has done, saying like his um, his review, obviously called "An Insulin and un- an Undeserved Reputation," something like that, an undeserved bad reputation. I can't remember what it's called now, but basically, go and look up that six part series whatever it was and there's a section in there where he talks about the evidence aligned to how insula- uh, <laughs> insulin actually manages hunger it helps actually suppress appetite not the other way around
2: mm. so I do find though when I'm very low carb my appetite is worse in a good way I don't want to eat that much do eat as much and I'm very low carb yeah
0: and obviously the keto literature would kind of suggest that as well in that. Well, actually, no, actually, I should take it back. That's probably, again, not, not an evidence-based thing to say. Don't shoot me, Johnny, for saying that. But it's, I don't think it is an evidence-based thing to say. I think there's definitely some literature which shows that people's appetite regulation is better on a lower carb. But then I also think literature is quite mixed. So, mm. But you, so you do hear the keto crowd saying, oh, but my, oh, um, my blood sugar and my uh, energy levels are so more stable on a, on a low-carb diet than they are on a high-carb diet. You also can't fucking yeah. run more than five metres before you die, though, can you say?
1: That's literally what I was going to say. Maybe, like, their well, their output, their energy output, probably subconsciously will, you know, they might not move as much. You know, they might not blink as much. They might not, like, gesticulate as much because they're not as much energy going in.
0: I mean, there's also the other thing that protein, obviously, is also a very potent stimulator of insulin, too, when we're talking about this, the kind of insulin thing. So... But we don't say that protein makes you hungry. In fact, we say the opposite.
1: Mm, She's satiated.
0: So um, interesting. I just thought it was an interesting point, certainly about Mm. this idea of kind of snacking um, in regulating blood sugars over the day. I'm not, like I said, I could be wrong and there could be a whole evidence or body of evidence that I missed out on and and don't know, but I've not really seen it if that's the case. And I have looked for it before. And like I say, all the evidence that I could find were in diabetic populations. And as I say, that's very different because obviously they could have Um, I guess like hypos which do cause you obviously to then become sick or need to eat and perhaps does have Mm. more um, effect on appetite
1: but I mean I do not claim to even know even a small bit about this but there's I'm just having a quick look there seems to be a lot of um, studies around ghrelin and insulin and all that kind of stuff so there's definitely literature there to dive into in terms of hunger um but
0: well obviously you've got grin and liptin, obviously it's greatly obviously associated with with hunger i guess Mm. obviously that's the point but it's interesting specifically around its association with your hunger or cravings and stuff and obviously this idea of snacking but Mm. um anyway let's get back to topic so i guess like yeah my view is very much i think that snacking is not necessarily a bad thing and in some cases is something that perhaps should be used and i would say that i do use it with kind of more the more mindfulness element of, of coaching I do with people. So I guess when people's goals are less weight weight loss or weight related and they're kind of more around behavioural and health benefits, then snack is something that I will often use with people just to kind of get that consistency and regularity. And it's not because of the blood sugar thing. It's more because of just, I think having a consistent routine just helps more with healthful behaviours. Um, and I think that's more the habit and routine than anything specifically physiological, if that makes sense. But, I do think if your weight goal is weight loss, snacking is a bit of a unhelpful endeavor, in my opinion. Because I think, and I think I was going to say this earlier: the appetite regulation and hunger regulation part. When you snack, it basically barely makes a dent on someone's opinion or perception of hunger. So therefore, you eat of it, and you basically don't feel satiated. It barely makes any difference. And this is also the same reason why I like to have people have fewer, larger meals than than more smaller meals, because I think it's the same principle. So that over a period of time, people can manage better with having more intense feelings of hunger, but actually feel satiated at certain points of the day because they do have larger meals than trying to basically try and avoid hunger for more or longer periods of the day by having smaller meals or snacks in between. Um, And I think that's futile because I think those, they basically just, you're always hungry if you do it that way. If you're kind of having smaller meals or you're trying to snack throughout the day and still stick to some sort of calorie limit, I just think you're, the people see worse results, have a worse outcome when they're just trying to kind of suffer through hunger all day rather than perhaps have more intense periods of hunger, but at least then feel kind of a break when they're satiated because they have larger meals. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thoughts? Johnny? Um, Amy or anyone who wants to chip in?
1: I think it depends on the individual and how they like to eat personally. If some like I'm someone that likes a large volume of food, I like a big meal in front of me. But I also know, understand my habits to know where my peaks and troughs throughout the day are when I need the most energy, when I value the the biggest meal. Um, So I lean into that. I think it is the first thing I know I do with my clients is get to understand, get them to understand those behaviours in themselves. So oh yeah I I um, I um really struggle around three o'clock because I get really tired I pick the kids up from school and they have a they have a snack and then I just end up picking off their plate okay well let's lean into that a little bit more let's make that a time where you sit down with your kids you have a moment and you actually eat something off a plate rather than like let's make that a good snack because if that is a time that is optimum for you to snack anyway then let's lean into it let's make it a moment it's now something that you kids are like oh mommy sits down with us now an and has a snack when we get in from school um and then if you're not that bothered about your lunch time like if you're happy just to have like if you don't really get very hungry at lunch like maybe you could just have a shake or something like that if you value your evening meal and you'd rather that was a little bit bigger then let's like lean into the snacking throughout the day still at periods so you feel all right and then let's have your evening meal that's a little bit bigger with the family so getting them to identify that can help a lot
0: what if you uh do feel hungry at lunchtime though
1: then they can like still still have a still have a meal they can still have a lunch but then maybe they don't have a snack between breakfast and lunch
0: what if they want a snack that suits their the, all the situations you just described but they also feel hungry at lunchtime
1: so then let's lean into some whole foods let's lean into some single ingredient lower calorie foods that they can take with them Like like every if they are hungry i don't think i think getting people to recognize physical hunger also is really important because i think some people are scared of feeling physically hungry and I think it's good to feel that sometimes but it's also good to do that in a mindful way if they can so that's where I I see that as an opportunity in a way to okay let's get some nourishment in let's focus on some whole foods that are going to serve you like the snacking around the mealtime thing so when someone's snacking when cooking maybe they're snacking on crisps maybe they're snacking on Um, chips maybe they're snacking on like uh, hummus and like dip is a great one like maybe they're having some hummus and some um, like some pop chips or something like that okay well you obviously like doing that you enjoy it how can we look to switch that up in the first instance for something that's going to be a little bit more nutrient dense and less calories? Can you go for maybe some carrots and some salsa or some peppers and some salsa? Or can you just gnaw on some celery while you're cooking dinner if you really feel like you need to chew something? It's if it's a habit there, let's lean into it into the first instance. Let's use it as an opportunity to get some goodness in and then let's see how. Educate around food, educate around nutrition and labels and where calories come from. And then they can kind of put the pieces of the jigsaw together and go, "Mm, actually, this isn't serving me too much. Maybe I could take that out. That's where my calories are coming from. Johnny?
2: I do find for myself that pushing my eating window further out does actually help my appetite as well. And it's and I feel like when you've broken the seal type of thing, that's when I, for me personally, that's who start I start getting hungry. I agree, and I think I've had this conversation with a few people who say the same thing.
1: So, like, if you're if you shift your feeding window, like, say for example, you usually have breakfast at eight. If you shift your feeding window and you don't have your breakfast till eleven, will you be hungrier once you start eating at eleven?
2: Funnily enough. No.
1: What about in the afternoon? Do you could become hungrier in the afternoon?
2: Possibly the evening.
1: Right.
2: That's what I generally would have done everything I needed to do in the day. So then again, I could come into boredom because I was not going to mm. do anything in the day. So for me now, if I'm not working, or if I am working, I'm up at quarter to five. I get a coffee, I'll go, I'm not going to have breakfast now. Then, depending on how busy it is in work, I can go from having food from the earliest, probably nine, and then sometimes over to three in the afternoon. Mm. I don't feel that angry, you know, because you're distracted and you've got stuff to do. Then I'm like, well, I could probably go to six if I had to, but that's because I'm distracted. But then you do work, then you do find out yourself what hunger really is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very easy to forgo hunger though when you get task focused. Yeah. I think snacking really does it's it's boredom and it's preoccupation with food that I think leads to that kind of real snacking behavior. That and the social situation that I mentioned where like it's just food abundance and food availability. I think that that real it's like um I don't know on your nutrition course, on my nutrition course, it was all there was a lot about mindfulness and like how um you know stress and stuff like that and how being in a flow state and actually trying to have some kind of hobby or behavior or habit that you know takes you away from work and gets you in a bit of a flow state is really really beneficial for your mind because when you're in when you're doing that you are genuinely not thinking about anything else yeah. um like especially food or how hungry you are some people are really lucky that they can do it when they're at work like i know jack will forget to eat when he's working because he's creative so he's actually designing and he's forgetting about work. he's forgetting about his own signals because he's so in that flow state so he will not even think about snacking he won't even think about meals um so i think the more you can do that between meals that would definitely try and limit snacking opportunities um but it very much depends on the client as to as to whether it's starving or trying to stop snacking is actually going to hinder hinder them or help them.
2: Definitely, individual you have to work with a client to see what they prefer. Mm. So sure. you talked on, but I find as well if I know I was obviously the, the last few years has been big on if it it's your macros type eating, you don't have to you know not have chocolate. You can still have chocolate and lose weight. All this stuff, but. If people stick to a, a small group of foods, normally high quality single ingredient foods, I tend to find that people don't feel as hungry or don't need to snack so much. And that yeah. works as well.
0: Mm, if uh... to,
2: yeah, lean lean proteins, a lot of veg and complex carbs. I mean I I find clients don't um, obviously, it doesn't apply to everyone, but I tend to find they don't need to snack as much because, like, the in- industry's gone a bit too far in the last few years. Have gone, oh yeah, you can eat flex bowls, in ridiculousness, all that super shit. It's gone a bit too far. Like, yeah, yeah, you can, you can eat chocolate and shit, but is it really the optimum? Well, it's definitely not the optimum, is it?
1: No. Well, Brett knows all about a flex bowl.
2: I was going to say some of the
0: the thing is about. What did you say earlier you said you made a- you had a sentence where you said something about you know what your about how you choose to eat and when you have your meals and snacks and stuff you said something like i know where my not not triggers are kind of what what word you use That's you amy by the way, in case you oh, me yeah. um what, what my, when we talk what about
1: when, s- I want when a snack?
0: yeah when you were talking I want, about I know my
1: habits and behaviors are i know i understand when my my cravings kick in and my low points and maybe it is habits It is habitual. Yeah. It's generally around three, four o'clock or after lunch that I actually want my sweetest stuff because yeah. by that time I've been up since five or six. I'm starting to get a little bit tired. Um, I have had a meal. So I am in that like post your state. So I'm a little bit like, Oh, like, you know, a little bit sleepy, let's say like, and yeah, that's t- when I tend to want the, um, the sweet stuff. So From doing that, I plan in a snack so I know that, okay, at between 4 and 4.30, I will have something to eat because it will stop me getting too hungry by the time I get to dinner and then want to inhale everything. I usually make it something sweeter, like a protein bar or a yogurt bowl or a shake or something that's got some kind of sweetness to it. So I enjoy it. It's flavoursome. It satisfies that little craving um, whilst giving me some nutrition and some protein. And then it stops me going headfirst into the biscuit tin as well when that comes around. So,
0: I I thought it was a prominent sentence mainly because, I guess, well, there's a couple elements to that. One, we do know that you can almost like train your kind of hormonal response to time of day for things like ghrelin to just secrete and cause you to want to have your meal. So, like if you start having your lunch at the same time every day all of a sudden, random you start to become hungry at the same time of day. Random that. No, it's not random. It's physiological. That's what happens. Um, do you, like, That's something I've kind of always used to unwind as well with clients where I've said, like, actually, look, you can start to untrain that and train it differently if you want to. So, obviously, there is some moments of pain where you have to go through, but you can start to almost untrain your kind of, like, grilling secretions almost to a certain point. That, that's, like, a really simplistic way of putting it, but, like, it's kind of a bit of a thing in that you can do that. So that's one one thing. But, obviously, there's also kind of, I guess, the... The conditioning of habit and stuff as well in terms of like you say you have these habits and I guess that's another thing you can also then almost untrain or uncondition. um so I think obviously and the reason it's kind of like important is you know you say oh right now it's all about flexible that's actually really really true and the reason I kind of like I went back to that comment you made is because like I I almost hid my pseudo eating disorder under the basis of better i know my triggers i know my habits i know what suits me best and obviously this promotes my adherence so therefore it's more optimal for me to do it this way than it is the other way and in hindsight and reflection i was talking about my asshole um and i'd convinced myself like i've said this quote before and i can't remember where i heard it or whether i even made it up but it's something like we are the easiest people to lie to as in like ourselves and that is true because obviously you know if you don't need to even convince anyone like as in like if, if you to lie to yourself you don't even have to convince yourself because you're already believing it so, and it is very true, like, and this type of scenario kind of makes me think about things like back in time where, you know, I used to save 200 calories for, out of a 1700 calorie diet to have mm. some fucking stupid bowl of ice cream or, you know, ridiculous stuff, basically in a bowl, whatever.
1: Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, but anyway, let's go the on reason to... I, The reason I lean into that, and I'm not feeling like I have to justify myself, but I think that's really, But, really but I have interesting. to justify myself. No, no. Um, myself, I think it's really interesting what you, what you say, like, you can untrain yourself. I think when someone comes, when, when someone comes to me as a professional and they're like, I know I need to lose weight, there's a little bit of fear that they can't do it already. They're worried they're going to be hungry. They're worried you're going to take away all the foods that they love. And I think part of my job in that moment is to empower them that it is going to be easy. And that's why I think in the initial instance, making it as easy as you can for them, most of which is based on something that they're already doing in terms of either structure, foods they're eating, habits that they already have, the easier you can make that in that initial first week, which will be easy wins, like whether it's just swapping out one certain food for another, whether it's um, adding in a little bit, Like more more of a protein source in one meal, or you know, swapping a Kit Kat chunky for a protein bar. Whether it's like little things like that, um, I think can just working with someone can make a massive difference before they actually start to realize that they can do it. You know, you need that little bit of buy-in to start with before they achieve that autonomy and they start to get a little bit curious um the the you know the worst thing some 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 clients come to you thinking oh please don't make me do this please don't make me do that please don't make me eat this I don't like that and it's like okay well no you are in charge of this and the only way that's going to work for that client is the thing that like you said they can adhere to so I think leaning into that to start with before You then start to really think, why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? Do you really need to eat that snack then? Or if you are a little bit hungry, you're not going to die. You know, maybe you don't have to have breakfast. Maybe you could shift your feeding window. Oh, that hunger is actually maybe a good thing if you want to lose a bit of fat. And they go, okay, yeah, I can actually do this.
0: Great. I think meeting clients where they're at is key to being a decent coach
1: ah did you just give me a compliment
0: i was speaking to johnny but yeah
1: Ah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) um i was gonna say no i I do agree with all that um i was gonna say perhaps we move on to something useful for people that perhaps if they do want to count snacking what can they do so johnny kind of what are your what is your advice for someone that um snacks more than they want to they want to lose weight and i would be honest like I feel a bit cringy even kind of setting up the scenario that it's someone at a weight loss but you know it's an easy easy knockdown so right, let's just go with that
2: one thing well it can be more
0: minute. than one thing mate if you want I like, just whatever your advice would be but
2: I'd probably do uh, a couple of things I'd, I'd <clears throat> work on mindful eating for one I'm not going to explain in detail of each one I'll just give you what you know a hundred foot food mindful eating and then I'd look at food environment. So what they've got in the house, what they what they got in work, things they Because if there's chocolate in your face, you're more likely to eat it than you. If it's not there, outside out of mind, as you say. And I'd probably get them to uh, <clears throat> write things down, to identify if there's a pattern to this snagging. certain day, certain time of day, should have stress something's happening in the day in work out of work in the evening whatever so they can identify it first um, potentially look at their eating habits as in what they eat do they eat shit all day um, what are they snacking on and then look to change what they eat so if they're eating shit all day obviously introduce more single ingredient foods which does help <clears throat> control appetite. Um, obviously, if they're not eating much protein or veg, if you introduce those things into there, they're going to be fuller for full longer, so the potential to win the snack is possibly less. And then look at um, potential looking their eating window. I mean, if you're one of these people who's flat out in the morning, getting the kids ready for school, doing this, doing that, and you think you have to have breakfast, when actually you probably don't. And then you can push that eating window a bit further out, so then you can have bigger Needles, uh, so you may not want to snack anyway. So there's a few.
1: Do. Yeah. Amy. Um, exactly the same. Uh, mindfulness around what they are consuming, when they are consuming it, the emotions they're feeling, coupled with some journaling, um, trying to create a little bit of a pause when they feel the need to snack um to make it a little bit more of a conscious decision um again like won't go into all those tools that i use and conversations i have with clients but yeah a lot of that um same as johnny environment is key um asking about what things they generally snack on and what lower calorie alternatives would give them just as much satisfaction um coming up with a bit of a list together um using that as an opportunity to educate them on um nutrition labels calories um also i like to find what um foods what i always call them kryptonite like what foods are kryptonite to those those kind of clients particularly like snacking foods like some people love crisps some people love like dips some people love um, nuts like chocolate covered nuts some people love biscuits and actually set aside time during their week where they consume those foods in a very mindful manner as well so not about cutting them out completely but um I call it giving the food the respect it deserves. (laughs) So actually like taking time with the food that they love so much that they snack on it quite mindlessly. Um, And again, doing some, like we talked about before, like mindful eating practice with that, just to see if they actually do still even enjoy that food when they eat it in a mindful manner. Um, For example, I've got one client that eats digestive biscuits. She can eat about six at a time. Um, And when she sets aside time to eat one digestive biscuit in a go she's like yeah it's four out of ten I'm not really that bothered I'm like okay great um like stuff like that so yeah lots of like techniques and tools like that definitely um yeah introducing more whole foods um to fill them up for longer using volume foods like like whole foods and fruit and vegetables um in meals and as snacks as well some people just really do like to snack they just like to eat they actually like the process of masticating uh, masticating um, and they actually like chewing and crunching and they just enjoy it um, so using that as an opportunity to get in some nourishment rather than yeah
0: I also crap. like eating burgers and chips every meal mm-hmm. but I also know that I can't do that if I want to remain any resemblance of a healthy body weight.
1: So yeah, but I'd like to think that people that come to us asking for help already know that they can't do that every single day and uh have you'd any kind of uh You'd be loss goal. you'd
0: be surprised.
1: I don't know, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I
0: do I think <laughs> um I think most of our uh, things align quite well. They're all quite similar. I mean, I certainly think the point about reflection on why you're snacking and why perhaps you're like you're hungry. I think the, the kind of easy example is, you know, what, like most people, certainly I find anecdoty anyway, like most people, um, like nighttime eating for the T V, that type of stuff. I think most clients struggle when that nighttime and I always try to get people to think about like why are you hungry or craving or whatever the words you might use, like what is forcing you or causing you to eat at that time tonight. I do tend to find that most most things fit into three categories maybe four I'm thinking of, i don't know if you count habit but i'm going to say there yeah, okay let's say four so either habit because you, you know something they have always done and obviously again we've t- talked about how difficult that is to kind of undo or we know it's difficult to undo given it's something that's conditioned over a long period of time it can be done but obviously it's not an easy thing um or boredom that's obviously quite a, a popular one i think a lot of people they sit down and really, really think about it actually you know check in with hunger Oh actually I'm not hungry. It's just the fact that clearly I'm just really bored because my partner sat out on the phone on Facebook and there's some shit on the TV and I've got nothing else to do. So I'm just a bit I just think about food and being food focused instead. Very common. Um stress, emotions, that type of stuff, you know, some sort of self-medication type approach, I think, of often falls under that category. A lot of people are actually eating for comfort because they're missing something else, and obviously they're turning to food to have some sort of positive experience, you know, dopamine hits, all that type of thing. Um or it might actually be actual hunger, um, which is obviously a big one. I think again, uh, this isn't anything I don't think any of you lot haven't already said. Uh, none of those points really. Um, and I think one thing that can help so is obviously once you establish what it is. Like if you're thinking, "No, oh, I am actually hungry," as an example, then I tend to find well, actually shifting calories up during like earlier in the day can help. I think a lot of people the reason they're snacking the hungry is because they're just not eating enough during the day not having big enough meals to kind of keep themselves fuller or to kind of keep in that nice range on the hunger scale we like to keep people in um if it's not that, and it is things like boredom or stress and stuff obviously i guess they're a bit harder to tackle in terms of an actual like strategy because You know, if it is stress and emotions. And I tell clients sometimes, look, it's actually okay to medicate through food. You know, we use, you know, medication and other types of things. It's just a case of that you've got to still recognise that you're doing that and that at some point you have to tackle the actual problem. Like if you're eating because of stress, because of your job, or if you're eating because you're in a shit relationship and you're turning to food as comfort or whatever the reason might be, you're going through a tough time or whatever. You kind of got to fix that thing rather than kind of just allowing yourself to medicate all the time. But it doesn't mean you can't and you shouldn't medicate. Actually, I think that's quite empowering for people to understand that it's actually okay to have some chocolate to make yourself feel better. Like it's not something you want to do all the time, but it's one tool or a mechanism that you can use along with a lot of other things you could do. I mean, I guess some of the things that I might recommend to people, you guys are sure both heard of this, but like using the technique of surfing the urge, where you take a bit of time, just deny yourself for 30 minutes, um, you know, take some deep breaths, pause, try and keep yourself busy for 30 minutes. And quite often that urge goes. And especially if it is the other, like boredom stress or habit and not hunger often that will just disappear And i think that's quite a powerful technique for people to use um yeah and i think otherwise sometimes actually just like johnny said quite early on just actually just fitting it in you know into your macros <laughs> almost like ifym mm. style like you know it's not necessarily the, the worst thing in the world like if you're actually adherent to a diet and you're getting the results that you want and that includes snacking why should anyone tell you that you shouldn't do it, then I
1: think that's fair. Agree. Agree. I but, do find as well, um, another reason as well. I mean, there's loads of reasons why people snack, but with the thing in the evening, it's sometimes it can be other people that are enabling as well, which is very, very key if you're like in an office environment mm-hmm. as well. It's part of the environment um, thing you guys yeah.
0: said, which I, yeah. I didn't, but actually, just what, while we're on that, sorry, unless you've got more, I, I don't know. If, I, I recognize I just cut you off slightly there no no no
1: carry on that was
0: pretty much my point was it. I, i'm a big believer of the whole environment thing and uh i'm a big fan of like brian one six work around all of this sort of stuff because obviously he's a big thing around managing environment and therefore getting better results in fact i've got somewhere in my bookshelf behind me as my range of motion on my neck for people that can't see me um slim by design that's what it's called which is actually a really good book around, like exactly as it said, to design your environment to try and help remain lean. And I guess a lot of his research is around like why people are, why, why, why do slim people stay slim uh, or lean people stay lean. And I guess he's then kind of looked at all of the actions, behaviours that they follow and then tried to put that into a bit of a manual, say, well, actually, if you want to be slim, do all these things then, because that's what they seem to do. Which, and a lot of it makes like logical sense. But then I found out that a lot of his papers have had to be redacted. No redacted? Yeah, I suppose redacted is the right word. Retracted. No, well, some are redacted, some are retracted. So it depends which journal. It's like basically some have been changed, some of them actually have been completely removed from journals. And I was like, oh, I thought the stuff he was writing was legit or it felt legit because it sounded very logical and I liked the stuff he was doing. Certainly it would be a lot of the, I guess it would align with a lot of the types of hints and tips that a lot of fitness professionals give in terms of setting up your environment, not buying chocolate, like Johnny said, or um, or like, you know, buy the little bars of chocolate, not the big fucking things you can't eat the whole lot, that type of stuff. Or, I, one of his book, I can I can't like it's been a while since I've read it, but it's like sitting furthest away from like the, the buffet tables at buffet meals, or sitting like people that sat with their backs to them ate x amount less than someone that sat near the buffet table and stuff like that. It's just setting your actions environment up to kind of help you. And obviously, I think yeah, that all sounds really logical. But then, yeah, as I say, uh, apparently a lot of his work has now been quite criticised. So I was like, oh, maybe this isn't legit research, which is a shame.
2: If you if you live on your own. And you don't buy any shit in the house. You can't eat it. It's not possible.
0: Unless you go out and get it. I think that, I think, get it. I think that's the problem, though. A lot of people's drivers and relationships with food are so poor that they will do extreme things to eventually go out because obviously it's kind of that over-restriction where you know, you're feeling totally deprived from something. You will then have extreme behaviours to go get it. Now, you go out midnight because you're so craving food, you can't go to sleep because you actually, you really want chocolate, but there's none in the house. And in the end, you're just getting your car and go. Now, obviously, that isn't the same for everybody. Some people will just be better just not buying it. But I also don't see that as a very long-term solution. And obviously, because you can't avoid these foods forever.
1: So, that's the thing.
0: And I think that, that that's the one, not the one, I suppose it is a big one, actually. But it's kind of what, one a thing that I, why... I have a negative view on perhaps managing the environment. Like I said, when I say it, I, ha- I don't have an overall negative view because actually it's a lot of stuff that I agree with and I thought, oh, that's really good, actually. There's some quite good tips for people. But when you think it through, you do think, well, actually, yeah, sometimes managing the environment is just something that can't be, or it doesn't lend itself brilliantly to kind of like sustainable behavior to a, to a certain point anyway. I mean, you can, do, you can certainly do things like just, you know, in your household, don't have food out, like don't have cereal boxes out on the countertops all the time. So you can just pick at cereal. Like if you're going to have food out, have health foods that you're going to pick out instead, like fruit bottles and stuff. Um,
1: I think it just has to be a phased approach, doesn't it? Like I think what Johnny says is absolutely 100% true. If it's a trigger food for you, and initially at the start of your journey, you cannot, it is, you are more adherent if you cannot have it in the house while you learn all this other stuff and these mindful behaviors, then don't buy it. There should come a point if you are with a decent coach that is practicing mindfulness and you know permission to eat then there should come a point where you should not feel that level of food anxiety about having those things in the house
0: here's my view on that so if you're talking about a like a real trigger food a food like you know once i eat i can't stop eating or you know it's a food that i just cannot avoid i would say even perhaps looking at a different angle might be a, maybe a better thing i don't know or another view perhaps is and it's kind of taken like the approach of actually making allowing someone to have that thing all the time so i guess obviously what my view on that is very much like if someone says like i don't know uh dark chocolate ginger biscuits they are my th- like amazing like borders type you know you know brand borders
1: yeah but of yeah. all the things you could have picked dark are amazing ginger biscuits
0: oh just something about spicy dark chocolate ginger wouldn't biscuits.
1: be kryptonite but anyway
0: it's for me but anyway um if someone said like that, you know, that food is their trigger food for them, I'd say like, OK, well, why don't you just have three of those every day and keep having three of those every single day?
1: Yeah, you get bored.
0: Eventually, you'll think after day one, oh, this is, this is amazing. Day two, mm, yeah, it's still really good. Day three, and then eventually you do get bored. So you're kind of like, uh, OK, yeah.
1: Some people will adamantly claim they won't. Some people honestly will claim that they could eat pizza every day for the rest of their lives. And they will claim that they could have three borders ginger biscuits for the rest of their lives as well.
0: Well, th- they, I, I I, would imagine my guess would be that if they did do it, though, they would change their minds in the same way as like I was adamant that eating a th- 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 1300, no, th- yeah, 1,300 calorie flexible every night was good for me. And it's not so, yeah. yeah.
1: It, um, I'm not even going to go down this road but like if they're eating those biscuits unconsciously I reckon they would carry on doing it for the rest of their lives
0: yeah well that's changing the context slightly like, but I get your point but obviously yeah. the whole point is obviously they are putting this food up on a pedestal and that's their trigger food Yeah. but it's not a pedestal when you're actually mindlessly eating it because you don't even know you're eating it the whole point is mindless so my battery's about to run out on my MacBook and I can't be bothered to go get my charger and we're now <sighs> four minutes in so I think we might have to wrap it up here I'm afraid guys <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting low power warnings. Quick, get off. Should we um, just let him go,
1: Johnny? Let's just yeah, let him
0: not... go. I've got the recording stuff, so... Oh. so Unless you have anything more to say. Johnny, do you want to sign us off?
2: Oh, no, time is back to battery's trap.
0: I'm sorry.
1: I really enjoyed that.
2: Yeah.
0: We have been on an hour and five minutes. Christ. I
1: could talk about that all, like lo- longer, probably another
0: hour. Mm. You like it longer. Um, on that note, um, <laughs> on that note, uh, thank you all. Hope it's enjoyable. Hope you got some value out of it as well, and something that is useful for those that do want to stop snacking or even thinking about it. Just you know, Amy's point around just being conscious and aware is a really good place to start. So,
2: I'll ignore the first twenty minutes of the podcast. Though.
0: I'm really sorry about that, That's listeners. the best twenty minutes.
1: That has to be in the title. Like apologies for the penis chat or something. I think we've of sound a
2: bit catchy, but okay.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it was making inches, only 13.
0: <laughs> only 13?
1: <13. laughs> oh, God, I'm crossing my legs, please.
0: Have you got a picture in front of you, Johnny? Mm. Should I get one? No. Well, you've only got to look down, haven't you? Whee! Mm. Go on, son. Mm. Uh, <laughs> right, thank you all. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, oh, uh, actually, next week, actually starting from t- 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 today... Black Friday Ma- cheese Black Friday cheese, cheese. Yeah. Go, on, go on son Yes he knows He knows. Yeah. Massive deals Loads of some money off So get by cheese. Uh Well it'll be tomorrow Because obviously This is when it'll be released But yes from Tomorrow Do you
2: know I in, in the deal Go on A new rash guard
0: A new rash guard I've got one on order For Christmas From my um, From my sister-in-law <laughs> Amy's like I don't know what a rash guard is so you can guess, though. <laughs> Sorry, It's, for it's a again.
2: really tight top That guards you from it's like, like grudge mm.
0: Good Let's send me some links. I'm I'm interested in more.
2: To tell me if I can do it.
0: Oh, I've been trying to get another ghee, but A two is completely out of size, so I've not been able to get one for ages. So if at Every time you,
1: every time you say Ghee, I think of Indian butter.
0: You're spelled differently, but yeah, okay.
1: Well I mean I can't see it when it comes out of your mouth, the letters, so yeah, I just okay. think of Indian butter.
0: G I versus I think Ghee is G G-H-E, H right?
1: It is G yeah, H. Yeah. So
0: yes, it's not quite the same thing. It'd be diff- oh, be difficult, although doing B J J covered in Ghee would be <laughs> quite a hard thing to do I'd imagine
2: well when you sweat your tits off you may as well be you be sometimes yeah.
0: yeah absolutely right I,
2: I've gross submissions by being so sweaty they can't grab me yeah landed. What, that's how
0: it works yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah Brett needs to go I do need to go because I'm really conscious going to, going to lose the entire recording if I don't okay. end it now so okay. anyway bye bye thanks bye 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 thank you for listening to the NNN Podcast If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week.